0: up, so, what's so, 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 y'all? This is Classified. This is
1: Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up? I'm Brother Ali. Five Diggy, Tribe Core Quest. Eloquent, man. What up? Styles Feet the ghost This is Ab Abso- This is KO. And you
0: listening to The Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Dig? This
2: is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong. Yeah. Hey, thank you for joining me today on the Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chetto, and today's guest is a multi-talented artist. He's an MC, producer, engineer, singer, who goes by Relic, a.k.a. Rel McCoy. I actually had to look up when I first had him on the Come Up Show, and it was way back on October 23rd, 2010, and that's when I had him on the radio show in London, Ontario, and he emailed me his album, and then I found out he... Mix the majority of Shad's album, The Old Prince. Since I had him on the Come Up show, we've interviewed him a bunch of times on a radio show. Relic's been a bunch of multiple tours spanning across Canada, US, Australia, and you can find his name, producer, engineer, or featured artist credits on all of Shad's four albums. If you are creative and you're wondering if you got the hustle and the guts to make it a full-time job, then you're going to get an idea of what that's like, because Relic, Took that jump 10 years ago. This interview is hosted by the Come Up Show's on Martin Bauman, and we present to you Relic, aka Rel McCoy, on the Come Up Show podcast. Take it in.
0: I want to start off um, by going back a little bit to your history, and, and if you could tell me what the significance of the movie Beat Street has to you.
1: Oh, Beat Street, man, that was like, that was one of the movies um, from like my childhood that was just open my eyes to a world of things that i wasn't really aware of like when i first heard uh, when i first heard houdini mm-hmm. when i first heard five minutes of funk and now i'm like we're starting off this conversation by basically letting everybody know that on that how old i am. dating <laughs> uh,
0: yourself
1: yeah which is it's dating myself but uh but that doesn't that is i don't think that that necessarily disqualifies me from being relevant um but anyway Uh, Yeah, uh, that was the first rap song that I ever, like, memorized the whole thing and would just, like, rap it to my sister's friends. And, you know, and that for me was – I thought that was it. Honestly, when I heard that, I thought that was one-off. Like, there's this cool song. I didn't know that this was a genre or would be a a genre that would affect my life and the lives of so many people as significantly as it has. So then from there was, like, uh, uh, Roxanne and U-T-F-O and then from there was like uh, LL with the with radio and uh and, and grandma oh wait before that grandmaster flash and and all like grandmaster flash was my favorite group when i was when i was real really young so let's let's act as if i'd loved all this when i was 3 or 4 years old and then i won't be so old <laughs> uh, where
0: where along the lines do you go from being a fan and and listening to this music to becoming a participant starting to whether it's spit your own rhymes or or whether the beats come or or somewhere along the lines you start to take part in it yourself,
1: I had a conversation like this uh, the other day with somebody, and we were basically just sort of sort of reminiscing about like we were, like I just was about like uh, when we were like wearing K-Way jackets and break dancing battles and in cold crush and and wild style and all that stuff. And uh and one of the things that I just I heard it coming to my mother I was like, if you listen to hip hop you could probably rap. Because if you listen to any kind of music, you sing along with the songs. And so it just becomes a part of your nature to just say the words and then after you say a few, you know more. And your favorite songs you're like, oh I know all the lyrics to like for for me, when I was real young, everybody when everybody was like all of a sudden into hip hop. Like for me, no everybody was like, "What is this weird stuff you're listening to?" But then like Run DMC and the Beastie Boys came out, and it was like Paul Revere was a song where I literally remember standing outside of school with sixty or so kids, everyone chanting this song. Hmm. And years later, being outside of the when the check your head thing came out being at that concert and everyone's standing in line outside the concert doing exactly the same thing. It was weird, the weirdest thing ever. So I think that like, and it's like, that's kind of a testament to the fact that um, if you love hip hop or if you listen to hip hop or if you have any like of it at all, you you have some rhymes in you. You know, and that's why we do shows for, you know, a lot of the time, like more than 70 percent of the audience, people who rap or DJ or break dance or whatever. It's a really uh, it's an It's I think it's the only form of music that culturally involves people like, you know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I feel like that.
0: I think you have a point there. I I mean, it's it's almost hard to put it on a timeline where you you start listening and, and right away you're kind of sucked into it. Just yeah, wrapping the words back, or doing something whether it's you know scribbling little graffiti in your notebook or, or yeah. you know trying to do the breakdancing bit. So you were you were breakdancing as well when you were younger or or what yeah, kind of and
1: you I remember in um I I lived out, at this time I lived down Pickering and Ajax um and there's like little breakdance crews in school and this is like grade five and grade six man. This is like – and this there's like the, the fat pink laces and, and and like Adidas and K-Way jackets <laughs> and yes. and kids who had like – like go and take their mom's gold chain or whatever their thing just so they could be <laughs> wearing a chain. And like – and it was fun back then. It wasn't like the – there was still like this essence of competition. There was essence, an essence of rivalry. But like you look at the movie Beach Street and you look at like um, – Uh, what was the other one, Uh, the electric boogaloo, like you look at those and you see the breakdance battles and instead of talking about shooting each other and stuff like that or talking about how violent they could be or or how tough they are, how perfect they were, it was really about like, yo, check out these new moves. And So it was really a a creative force that was driving the thing rather than a money force driving the thing, which which it sort of seems like it is today.
0: Did you ever get any good at the breakdancing side of things or how far did you take that?
1: Uh I I mean I was I remember like and then it was like 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 kids would have like birthday parties with like breakdance lessons at the birthday party.
2: Okay. Like yeah. that's
1: how and crazy it was. Like things just spiraled out of control and got crazy. Um I don't know. I had I had some moves, but I don't like saying that now because this is <laughs> ages and ages ago, you know? So it was like it was, but then it was also too at the same time it was more of a a team mentality, too. It wasn't about like now. It's like it's all about me, 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 me. And unfortunately, we're stuck in a a weird like Internet world where it kind of has to be that to an extent. But like back then, it was like there was way more of a community sense. Like when we were doing the breakdance battles, just like like Beach Street and stuff where you see people like the crews battling against each other. And it was it was fun. And that was like literally what was happening back then. So it was like, oh, I'm good at this move. Oh, well, this guy's good at this move. And so we have like a little team of guys working together. And now it's like you just got to be a jack all trades and just go for number one, you know?
0: Definitely uh, yeah, changing mentalities there. Yeah. Um, on, on the production side of things, at what point do you go from uh, starting to dabble in, in producing and, and sampling and starting to see – The building blocks of the music that you had been listening to growing up uh, starting to see oh this song is sampling this song that's where this comes from when does that realization start to happen for you
1: um i'm sure it's different for everybody because it like I'll, i'll break this down a couple different ways you know my homie fresh kills producer yes yeah okay a close friend of mine. So we go, we share work between our studios, but he'll come to my studio and look at my record collection and go, yo, these records are terrible. These records are so garbage. (laughs) Like what is all this? And then I'll play him some of the stuff that I've made using blips and pieces of that. And he's like, yo, this is sick. And so, but his mentality is like, I want to find these, I know these names of these places where it's been sampled from before, so when he goes digging, he has way better knowledge of, like, the names of people and who sampled what and groups, which actually gives him an advantage because he finds a lot more cooler samples and all-around cooler records than, than I do, when for me it's like, oh, yo, this looks cool, let me check this out. And So I have, like, a graveyard of records here, too, where I thought it was cool, I listened to it, it wasn't, so it just, I just goes in the graveyard, and then maybe I'll come and check it out again later, you know, but that's the difference between like somebody whose mentality is like really super focused on knowing and having like a brain that archives all of these you know all of these like records and when they came out and who was involved and who played what when for me it's just like give me sound just give me some sound get some kind of sound I'll put it in here and so I love conversing with people that have that knowledge because I I really I really don't and the the other side of it I, I would say is like um like I started making beats a long time ago on an SP 1200, so that the SP 1200 like didn't have that much sampling time in it. So we would just be looking for little blips of stuff we could use anyway. It was never a mentality of let's take a loop and and rap over it. Was past that. The loops were already like okay, loops are passe. Like even ages ago when I was doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and I just like, I don't know, man, I, I think it depends on the type of person. I'm not a schoolastic guy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not really like, like just keeping all this knowledge of who did what is just not, it's just not me. It's really way more feeling based than it is anything else.
0: Because I think I've heard Fresh Kills talking before about looking at records and looking into the, who's like the session drummer on a certain record and, and comparing drummers to, He'll, he'll yeah. know, just based on that. And, you know, who's playing the horns on a record, he'll go like that. Uh, is it for you, you're just looking at the cover 90% of the time, or you're looking at, uh, you know, I just, I know this artist, or or what is it for you?
1: Well, it, gr- it grows and evolves, obviously, so, like, you, you get familiar with the names of people once you, like, oh, man, I have a whole bunch of, I have a whole bunch of these records by this one group that I, I really like, so I'm going to remember their name, and when I go up there, it's just like any other artist that you listen to that you like, when you're searching, when you're digging through, like, uh, like records and stuff, like, oh, I didn't realize that they put this out. So, um Norm Connors. Norman Connors is one of the guys who um like I don't know if you if you know of Norman Connors, but like DJ Premier uh sampled in for uh, sampled that for uh DOS Effect, one of the DOS effect they want no, it wasn't they want effects, it was uh anyway, one of those DOS Effect songs. Uh Q Tip sampled it for uh one of the Mob Deep tracks that he made. It's all on the same record. Like all these crazy things in the same record. So I keep my eye out for Norman Connors' records, but then you buy the record because of the name and then you listen to it and it's a completely different thing that you thought it was going to be anyway. You know, so, but there's other there's all, all kinds of like you learn as you go, whether you like it or not, like I'm not trying out there trying to memorize names and stuff, but there are certain people that if you tell me like, "Oh, I got this sample from thing," i will be like, "Oh yeah, oh, this is you know somebody else sampled that, but my knowledge of it isn't like kills, like his knowledge of it is way deeper man i'm I'm trying to do too many things at once.
0: when you when you started the production side of things was it was it sort of out of necessity like uh, i need beats to rap over or was it just a a growing of interest you wanted to try something new Uh, where did it come from
1: yeah well that came out of of djing right like Like I first I first like was writing raps when I first heard hip hop because I just wanted to rap and have fun with my friends and then you know, the breakdancing thing, it was all sort of intertwined there. And then I was like dad, my dad's like like old crappy turntable and like bought this mixer. I didn't it didn't even have a fader on it, the first one I bought. I didn't know. You know, like uh that's I me, mean, that's a crazy admission to make on the airways, I guess. But that was the stuff that I started out with and like tried scratching and so for me the DJing thing was big. I was like trying to like do pause tapes and stuff like that. And so it was like once I got a couple turntables, it was like a whole new thing. So I would just go home from school and just spend hours in my room with the turntable just trying trying different things and stuff like that. And so for me it was like, how do these guys make these beats? Like that was it was just like I was intrigued. And so from there, I had a friend, uh, a friend uh, named named Nate, who um, made these beats on a Commodore 64, and it was like, a, uh, and if you, you probably don't know what a Commodore 64 is, all so the people out there are paying attention. But um, if you know what a Commodore 64 is, it's early computer, and basically this program that he had would allow you to do four like four tracks, and it would allow you to loop stuff so we would loop stuff in there and then bounce it out to a tape player and then play the two loops back into one again and then 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 record more stuff and so I have all these and then be doing the sequences as we were going through like sequence everything out as we did it and I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense but that was like the preliminary like stages where I was like oh we can like take drum loops and and throw stuff in it and make our own songs And so from there, it was like, how do we do this? And then we found out about like the MPC and 60 and the SP 1200 and stuff. And I was like, okay, we got to decide what we're going to buy. And he and I actually threw our money together and bought this SP 1200. And that's all we did. We'd just like sit there. We'd either be like DJing or writing raps or just like sitting, making beats on the SP and fighting each other over who who would get to use it next. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that really answers the question, but that was my experience.
0: (laughs) That's that's really a labor of love then. If you're, it, it's such a a time intensive process working on a Commodore 64. I would imagine that just the sheer amount of time it takes to do one beat, all the steps that are involved there.
1: Yeah, but it, but for us, it was like uh, it was like seeing a miracle happen. You know, it was like this is like what will they think of next? <laughs> you know, and it's like at the same time, it's like Atari graphics or whatever. PS One wasn't even out then, bro. Like. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 dating myself. Holy cow! We're going into the archives. Uh,
0: can you give me a, a list of maybe five formative albums for you when you're growing up? Uh, the ones that you keep coming back to, and, and the ones that really shaped you uh, as a person, as a musician. Uh, the ones that were always in rotation. Um,
1: EPMD, Unfinished Business, um eric b and rakim follow the leader eric b and rakim let the rhythm hit him um public enemy takes the nation of millions um I, I could go on and on and on but these are like ones like oh um uh, uh it's a, um long live the cane big daddy Kane. like those are ones that are paid in full as well like Bismarcky going off uh All those old, old guys, like this Big Daddy Kane's second record is a Big Daddy thing. Like, those were records that I memorized fully and, like, and those are like the well known guys. Like mm-hmm. there's other there's other groups that were sort of like came out sort of after that that weren't maybe as well known that we listened to, like Lord Finette's record and people weren't it wasn't as popular here, but that's one of my his first records, one of my favorite ones too. You know, Two Kings in the Cipher. That's another group that people are like, What? But that's like for me is found was foundational. Steady B, like huge. Chuck Chill Out and Cool Chip, huge. Like for me, like people that were that I still go back and go, oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: So in those names you mentioned there, you mentioned two guys uh, in Rock Kim and Big Daddy Kane whose whose flows and whose cadences at the time dominated in terms of, you know, they were were seen as the epitome of what you could be as an MC. Uh, What was it about them that uh, you gravitated towards?
1: Um... I had a friend who played me this one song off of Follow the Leader, off the Follow the Leader record. And we I remember being in the at high school in the cafeteria or whatever, and I asked him what he's listening to, and he'd I just put the headphones on. And I just heard this guy's voice. And I was like, yo, let me borrow this tape. And he's like, no. <laughs> so I I made it my mission to get that tape. And then that's where. I bought. I think I bought the EPMD tape in the same day because I had a friend who had a copy of that one. So, what it is that they did, and, and Big Daddy Kane, what it is that they did, it's one of those things that's magnetic that you can't really describe in words. I don't think. Like for me, I was like, yo, this like this is crazy, like. From hearing stuff that like the Beastie Boys were first doing, from Roxanne Shantae, UTFO, from Houdini to all, all, you know, uh, I don't know, Davey D, Busy B, all, you know, the whatever, what have you back then, like the really early stuff. And then to hear it was almost like hip hop was like turning a corner and it was still like feeling like it was in its infancy. So that's why those guys had such a great impact because they decided to do it they had decided to do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there was there was rhyme cadences that Kane was doing that nobody else could step to. There was there was there was like songs that like and samples and stuff that that EPMD was doing that were just bonkers and Rakim was like I felt like nobody could touch him. It was just like he just doing he was in a lane all of his own.
0: At what point – so, I mean, you're listening to these guys. I imagine you start writing uh, and, you know, keep on writing throughout the years. Yeah. How have you noticed uh, the way that you write songs change from when you first started uh, to to where you're at now in terms of maybe the the things that you're interested in writing about or or your focus in how you start putting a song together? Has that changed, and, and, and what sort of changes have you noticed?
1: It, you know what the coolest thing about that, that I—that after so long that I realized, I don't know, like in the last couple of years is that I can still grow. I can still get better at what it is that I'm doing. There's still, because sometimes it's the unknown. It's, you know, like you don't know how you're going to get better at what you're doing when you feel like what you're doing is the best thing you've ever done. You know what I'm saying? Like, but there's always like this room where you can grow. And so really just studying what, um what other what uh, what other rappers are doing and 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 being encouraged and influenced by them, and some people will say that's taboo, some people will say that's biting, but if you say that you've never been influenced by another rapper before he's a liar anyway you know so the for me I still do that i'm i st- i'm you know I've been blessed to be sit here in the studio and watch shad write his rhymes mm-hmm. so and that that was that was like he I don't know if he knows it. that was life changing for me i was so so He's the most versatile rapper I've probably ever, you know, been close to. And the way that he was doing his – whether he was putting his stuff together I was completely different than the way I would.
0: So break break that down a little bit. Uh, how was his writing process and, and how did that contrast with how, how you were used to doing things, sort of that, well, that without, moment?
1: Yeah, without really sort of like throwing out there what you know what it is that I do and what he does and or making myself look like I know everything that he that, – about right, what he right, does right, too. Right. Um, I always just start with a line and would just go with another line that fit the line before. And if I could fit something witty in there, I would, that he would start with a word oh, and then match another word and then feel like how, how, and then the puzzle would go from there. You have a couple of words and then things would fit around those, you know, those words and that, and that allowed for this whole area of like, double entendre stuff to happen and like forward thinking stuff like or or reverse engineering things to make you know this is what i want to say over here so how do i reverse engineer it to make it you know to make it say something witty or something that it wouldn't have otherwise said and the funny funny that you asked me that because the record that i just finished working on is like all of the writing is written Differently than I've ever written anything before, with the exception of maybe one song where I, one or two songs where I really had a message I wanted to drive home. It was a lot. It's been a lot of fun writing this one because that's like I know I can get better. I know if I just push myself a little harder, that I can I can make a better song, better songs in this record than I did on the last one. And I feel like uh, you get to a point
0: where you're like, I don't know, this, this is probably much as good as I can do.
1: You know, so it's it's hard. You got to push yourself, man
0: this this new record you're working on uh you're you're choosing to go direct to the fans here going on a crowdfunding method and yeah. and it seems to have worked out so far it looks like it's taken up steve uh can you tell me about that process in in the sort of first of all the decision to do it that way and, yeah and and how that's worked out for you
1: um i'm a long-winded guy you know so i'll try and <laughs> i'll try and uh Try and keep it simple. Uh, Last October, I got a, a grant from the Ontario Arts Council to do a record that I had been wanting to work on um and basically the idea behind that record was to have a bunch of other producers involved and i did a produce a couple of tracks myself but there were specific people that i wanted to work with and i didn't want to hit them up on some hey i don't have any money can i have some beats i just can't do that to people you know i know how that feels and you don't and it's not it's not cool so anybody out there is doing that stop doing that (laughs) um get get grant money do it that way anyway um so three months into this um into this record where i was kind of at around i don't know five or six songs away from what i felt would be the entire record um i realized that the last record that i did i thought was really good and i thought that it had it could it did well it did pretty well but i thought that it could have gone further if it had some kind of pr push or some kind of um some kind of undergirding that you know um that it didn't have i thought it would have been better if it had that so um, the only way that I could think like my money was spent on all the beats for this record. Like the money that I got from Ontario Arts Council spent all of it on, on beats from people. And I'm glad I did because they're really, the beats are really dope. Um, but that being said, it's like, you got to, you gotta be forward thinking when it comes to stuff like this. You need a lot of money to really make a record go where it ought to go. And I, and for me, the formula was always make a record, put it out there, do a release party, book a tour, book shows. Do, and and it's it's kind of like it's almost as if you're going door to door with that kind of method and I, and i'm and i realized that where i was missing it was in the promotion and the marketing side of things so and that takes money so when i said okay how can i how can i do this and and sort of bumping that off other people and, and there's another guy who helped me uh decide uh you know make decisions for my career and what would be the best choice and what is isn't. um that was sort of the path that we decided to take and you're right it's been amazing it's been Dude, I don't I don't know. There's been so much love that came back. It's like some people need to do the Kickstarter thing even if they're just trying to get a little bit of money just to reassure themselves that people care about what they're doing. Because you could be alone in a room like this, I'm in this room all the time, and, or if I'm not on the road, I'm in this room, and it's usually just me here, or maybe it's like one or two other people, but there's this tiny little closed world that happens that you don't really see the support, or you don't really see how much people are, are, are want to see another record, or more music from you, or see you play again, or whatever, so you kind of it can be depressing. You know, I saw a song right. on the new record about depression, too, because I know I'm not the only one that goes goes through that. So um, but that was the reason why I wanted to do it. And it has worked out awesome. I'm still pushing it. I'm still trying to get to the, the higher goals that I've set for myself there so that I can eventually um, get the music to Europe, which was another reason why I wanted to do it, because I think that in Europe, um, there's a really good market there for what I'm doing, you know.
0: So it, it, it's uh, sort of a form of feedback that you don't get unless you're out on tour i mean if you're you know if you're cooped up in the studio for you know weeks and and months uh putting out a project sometimes you have to wait to get that gratification that people care and they listen until you're able to tour with the album but here you're getting it when people are telling you that they're supporting the album and, and you're seeing that right there that's sort of the well, yeah, man,
1: this. it's, uh, it's amazing. It's, it's really good, man. That's, that's the, I mean, the money of course is great, but it's not, I'm not, it's not like I'm pocketing that money. I'm, you know, it's, it's all, in fact, to be really honest with you, I already promised more than what's there <laughs> to be paid for PR for this record. So if it doesn't happen, I'm going to have to try and figure it out myself or lessen people down, which I really don't want to do. But I think that it's—I mean—it's going—it's going in the right direction. So I think that we'll meet—we'll meet, the, we'll meet uh, at least one or two of the other goals that are there. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about it, man. I think—I uh, think—I mean, it's a great way to be uh, beyond all the money. That's what I was trying to say. Beyond all the money, the encouragement and the and the drive and the motivation, the love back from people is just more, so much more worth it,
0: man. It's—it's uh, um, it's interesting, you know. A lot of people talk about Canada and and how. How challenging it can be to be a hip hop artist in Canada, given how huge a country it is, how how scattered we are in sort of pockets around the country, you know, Uh from southern Ontario to people out in B.C. to the East Coast. And it's so hard to to sort of make a living off that a lot of times. But you have managed to correct me if I'm wrong, but you've you've managed to do your career. Yeah. on music you don't have another job outside of, of what you're doing with music that's,
1: that's no this is this is this is it man i mean aside from a couple of other things that i try and help my like my, my family has a business that i'm a little bit involved with so try and help them out with um with some stuff but i'm not i don't have another job no this is it but the reason why i'm able to do that is is uh, there's a couple of reasons but i think one of the main reasons is because i created more than one income stream for myself right so basically i've i i and doing the engineering part of it and running a recording studio is really a part of that so it's it would be kind of fifty percent lie for me to say that I made all this. I am allowed to stay alive as a musician solely based on being real. Like that's not really the truth. The truth of it is fifty percent, or maybe forty percent of what it is that I make income-wise comes from working in the studio here, whether it's selling beats or whether it's recording stuff or mixing or mastering records for people. Um, that's a huge part of it too. You know, so that I'm you know I'm blessed in that way too. That I, that 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 all kind of contributes to it and it gives me the freedom to do like the rel stuff you know um whenever i'm not doing the other stuff
0: so that's uh, uh, what I'm, i guess what i'm trying to get at is that's a lesson that can be learned you know for people a lot of people wonder how can i make a living doing this uh but there are ways you know if, if you definitely if you learn how to mix if you learn how to engineer if you uh can get people if you can set up a studio to have people through and and, and can prove your worth like that there are ways to to have a career uh without signing to a label and you know having you know x y and z happen to you
1: yeah absolutely man and and you know what i have to mention the grant thing again because that's something that a lot of people are scared of just simply because they don't they pop open their computer and sit on facebook all day but they won't go to the ontario arts council page and find out what programs are offered you know what I'm saying? They won't go. They won't go to the factor page and set themselves up a profile and at least start digging into it and start to get you know get some knowledge about it. And I think that's people. Um, people perish because they're not educated. You know what I'm saying? So when and especially when it comes to that, like that's money that's there that's for artists like us. That's that's money that's there that's supposed to be, you know, undergirding the the lives of these the people that want to be doing this full-time and no it's not possible for everyone to do it full-time and yes there was a 10-year 10-year transition period of me working a job and doing this so all the pie in the sky mentality all the get rich quick schemes all the pyramid scheme mentality that people have about the rap game need to go because at the end of the day i am my own business i'm my own business and so i don't look out for that and so even though it's great that I, that I I'm employed and I do this and I make my money this way. Um, at the end of the day, I am always working. Like there's not mm-hmm. like I've seldom take a break. So I don't know, maybe, and I'm not tooting my own horn. That's just who I am. But I think that that's part of the mentality that people have to decide to take on before they, you know, really can say that they're going to be a full-time musician.
0: Uh, a couple of off questions uh, come to mind. First of all, uh, curious, what, what was the last uh what do you call it quote unquote you know real job of the last time you had to answer to somebody in a in a job setting you know the last the last job you had before you quit and became your own boss more or less
1: That was uh that was a ways ago I keep that like this whole conversation keeps keeps making me like get older and older <laughs> I got good genes. at least I look young um the Ages ago, I, I used to work for my, from the family company, which is, a, um, I used to do sales for them. And so that was, and that, I did that for 10, I did that for 10 years. And that was, you know, I finally, <clears throat> I like the job. I like doing sales. I like being, <clears throat> I love people, man. And, and that outside sales job was just a job where I get to interact with people. And so that was really cool. Um, And some of that has actually translated and spilled over into me, like booking my own shows and stuff now, which is that really helped me out a lot. I didn't realize at the time, Um, but I got to a point where I just said to myself, like, um, I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and say, I didn't really, I didn't really take the chance to make what was in my heart happen. You know, I just was like too, I was too money hungry or I was too worried about this or worried about that. And so I really took a chance and those first couple of years being out of there, boy, it was hard. Like every single month is just like, ugh. Like, how am I going to continue to do this and put in my family through through some pretty rough times too? But they're there to support me, so
0: yeah. What What kept you going during that time? I mean, you mentioned family there, but uh, how else did you stay motivated and and encouraged in that time?
1: Um, I pray a lot, man. <laughs> i i pray a lot dude because like every time we come to the one of those end of those months i just be like god i don't i know you see what's going on here like please don't please don't let me lose my house please don't let me lose my car please don't let me miss a payment or, or whatever it was um and so i have to like just as being a real person and i know that there's a lot of people that don't really really not really spiritual people or don't really think in terms of that and so i respect that but i think it's just in order for me to be real with people that's that's just part of who i am and so i really think god helped me through it man and that's you know i'm not i'm not a preachy dude but that's that's a reality of of how i sort of live my life and um and i i think i thank god for just being allowed to be here because to me there's a lot of miracles that happen to make me be here whether you whether you decide to call it this a, a miracle or a sus- suspension of of uh, I don't know whatever whatever it is that you want to call it you know so I I'm really thankful just to be here and and be doing what I'm doing and and hopefully be positive you know be positive to to other people man and and just keep on having hope that things will work out.
0: You mentioned before when you talk about uh, being in sales before and uh, how that helped with booking shows. Uh, yeah. I want to bring up a, a conversation that you had with a, a booking agent talking about booking a tour in Australia and how yeah. difficult they told you that would be uh, oh, yeah. for an independent act. Yet yeah. It, lo and behold, it happens. You, you go on tour to Australia. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that conversation and, and what you learned in the process of of proving that person wrong?
1: That's the uh, That goes back to your last question. Like, what did you do to keep on going? A lot of the motive, I got to thank a lot of the people that told me, you can't do this. You cannot do this, bro. You got to get a day job. And then I just like, no, I don't believe that, man. And so there's times in your life, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes you got to accept the reality. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not, I live in the real world. You know, I'm not on cloud nine or whatever. So sometimes you got to accept the reality of the way things are. But there are other times you got to challenge like what people tell you. And I, I did, I had a, uh I was at uh, the Coca conference in Niagara a couple of years ago. And uh and that was early, early summer of 2014. And I, I met, I met this one guy who was from uh, a booking agency who I had known before. I, I sort of bumped into him and I told him like, this is what I, I want to do. I want to book a tour in Australia. And he said, you know what, you're never going to do it. And I said, Oh, well, why? I asked him, like, I wasn't unreasonable. I was like, well, why? Why would you say that? And he said, you know, even the most popular acts that go there and try and do their own bookings can only get three or maybe four bookings. You're going to waste your time trying to book it. Dude, I went home from that, and all I did for the next seven weeks was stay up until the middle of the night until it was like 5.30 in the afternoon, their time, and 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, our time, or whatever it was, and just cold call people man just cold call like looked up venues called the venues was like hey this is me this is what i'm doing i'm going to be in australia and i'm going to be doing this and and we ended up having 10 shows and i mean the 8 of those shows were were really good big successes and 10 of them were huge successes in the light of a guy who was just you know on his pompous horse telling me how i could not do what i do mm-hmm. You know, so it, and that, sometimes you got to have that mentality, too, and just push through and say, you know, I can make something happen, even if someone else won't help me make it happen.
0: So uh, prior to this conversation uh, with the booking agent, did you already book that flight out to Australia or was that something that you did afterwards? I mean, when you're mentioning the people that you're on the phone with, you're saying, I'm going to be there. Is that just, you know, positive reinforcement in your mind that you're, you're sort of realizing on <laughs> that path or, or did you already have that plane ticket and you're just trying to scramble to make that happen?
1: I was invited down there by um, by a little conference called Crosswords, um, and they said that they would pay for me to come down. But at the time, I was making those phone calls. I did not have a ticket,
0: <laughs>
1: so it's kind of one. It's kind of in the middle of the in the
0: middle of the road. So yeah. kind of speaking it into existence uh, while you know knowing that there was a way to get there.
1: Yeah, sort of. And you know what? For me, I just felt like if this doesn't work out, there's no shame because I don't know these people anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> What It'll be what it, it is, is. Yeah. and and but now I have contacts at a bunch of different places there that I can make it happen again if I want. I just need to pay my speeding tickets that they send me in the mail, which I'm probably not going to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I want to bring up another quote of yours, uh, and this is uh, sort of a, a message of encouragement to artists, telling them not to quit. You've come yeah. too far, and it's a bad idea to pretend to know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't. So shut up and keep being amazing at what you were put here to do. Uh, tell me a little bit about this. Uh, I mean, these these words of encouragement.
1: Wow, that th- and that was probably me th- when I got asked whatever the question was. That was probably me just sort of saying, "What would I tell myself a couple of years ago?" And that was like, th- "There's there's a way." Th- if they say, "If there's a will, there's a way," and I don't I don't know if that's like. I don't know if that's like the golden truth or whatever but I think that if that if you I think that if you want to do something you can do it but I also think that having a positive mindset and 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 just hopeful ideas and 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 fi- and I'm not like I said like I had a song on this new album about depression and i spent lots of time being depressed and not and you know and and not having any hope and not having, you know, not having any faith that anything was going to work out and just just didn't care anymore. Like there was a lot. There's been a lot of times like that for me. But I think that I think that you just got it. You got to as a human being, you just got to keep pushing forward. You just got to keep doing what you do. And it's and for like the Kickstarter campaign. said, so this is the, I just, for the love. I love people. I love the you know, I love the interaction with people. I love communicating with people, the feedback and all that stuff. And I think that is probably at the core of why I said that because I think that's a good enough reason um, to keep on doing what I'm doing. If it was motivated by something else, that I think that's when people get in trouble because it's not really like the the, the the that motivations of money or or being famous or or having some kind of notoriety or respect or whatever like dude, those are all things I could do with like in, in, like in waves, like bring it on. I, you know, I could use that right now just for my family's welfare and the financial things that I have to deal with and stuff like that. Um, but those can't be the the core of it. Those can't be the foundation of it because otherwise the storm of life comes and it just pushes your whole house over. You know, if you, you know, the house that's built on those things can't stand, but I think the house that's built on, on, on genuine love and, and respect and care about other people. I think that's a, I think that's a, uh, a horse worth betting on, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, the the sort of two dueling things in ways of of depression and and the culture of hip hop being one that's it can be in ways you know ultra competitive, ultra masculine, and and people don't want to reveal any sorts of weaknesses. But uh, yeah, you know, you, you you're able to open up about it. Uh, Elzai has opened up about depression and his album that's going to be coming out. Yeah. Um, what was that journey like for you to be able to, you know, to put the pen down and, and write about what you're going through and, uh, you know, and, and put that out there.
1: That's that's uh, I mean, it's as much cathartic and therapeutic, uh, as it is being driven by me wanting to help other people, you know, like it's as, it says, I don't know if it sounds selfish, but it's as much about me as it is about other, other people, you know, and, uh, and I think that that that's a that's a neat that's a neat way that music kind of like holds hands and crosses borders. Like you know, it means something. I think the music goes places because it means something to more than just me. But if it didn't mean anything to me, it wouldn't go anywhere. I wouldn't have any drive to do it. You know, so it's kind of like this weird sort of you know, it feels good. It feels good to to make something that you know will help people, even if it doesn't necessarily get the radio play or the, the, you know, the notoriety that you sometimes wish it would give you.
0: You mentioned uh, when I was asking you about the, you know, that advice you were giving to other artists and you were talking about you know, advice, maybe you were thinking of yourself a couple of years back in mind uh, when, when you were in that state and were needing that encouragement, what were the, the songs that you were listening to at the time, the music that you're listening to um, that kept you going?
1: You know what, man? I got to confess to you, I don't listen to a lot of music, man. I wish that I did. I wish that I made time to listen to more music. And there's a lot of like when I do find something that I that I think is cool, I'll just I'll run it for like a week and go, yo, this is L. But then I'm just I'm in here with music constantly blaring in my face. So my wife gets so irritated if we go on a long drive somewhere or something, I just want it to be silent in there. I don't really want music playing. I mean, not all the time, but most of the time I'll just drive around in complete silence because at least I get to decompress and collect my thoughts and think about, you know, think about real life stuff. It's like I'm so entrenched in this thing and I'm trying to listen to other people's stuff that they send my way to like, yeah, check out my record or whatever. I always try and listen to the stuff that people send me as well. So there's a point in time where it's like, oh, I wish I had. Like I, I used to have a couple of friends that would always like slide me like, "Yo, this is the latest," and I would just check it out and be inspired by what it was that I, what it was that I was hearing. But as for songs that I was listening to at that time, I, I wish I could pinpoint them, man. I don't know.
0: It's, it seems to be a lot of artists are like that, where they're more into their own what they're doing themselves than they are listening to what else is out around them. Mm-hmm. I, I, have you felt that with the with your peers or is that uh just the way that you are? Uh do you think that's common among many musicians that, that they kind of are more insular and, and focused on the music they're making?
1: No, I always feel alone in that man. <laughs>
0: And, and I don't really it's funny that I'm telling
1: you this in an interview because I don't say that to I don't say that to ghetto socks when I'm like rolling around with him and he's playing me like oh yeah you know this and I'm like I, I guess so you know you play, like we're listening to what we're listening to there's always something new that he's listening to he's a good guy when it comes to like what's the latest thing that you really like he's a, he's got his ear to the ground a lot more than I do um kills the same way uh, I could name a whole bunch of people that are just like way more up on what's happening musically and i love the fact that those people around me to introduce me to do music because i hear little blips of it and it's just inspiring to me but you know maybe if uh if i free myself up time wise a little bit more i would like spend more time listening to the artists that i love like lately i i really love like like apollo brown and, and odyssey and uh and who, who else have been listening to the barrel brothers like that barrel brothers record yeah. man Holy cow, that's so sick. Like that's, one, like, that's one of my favorites, and I don't know, it's probably years old now. I don't know. I don't even know the timeline of these things. They happen, like, you know, action branches and stuff. I love all that stuff, too. So I, I don't know, man. It's just like random, random stuff. I don't know what the latest and greatest is, really.
0: I guess you can rely on, you know, the, the DJs of your friends or the musicians of your friends to let you know what's worth listening to and, and just trust and put your faith in them to, to, to introduce you to the good stuff.
1: Yeah, man, pretty much, pretty much.
0: Uh, going a different direction you um, you just got a British passport a British citizens read right? yeah that's right what's uh, what's your background there and, and what do you yeah. hope uh, comes from from that
1: my Well my mom is from Wales, and my dad is from Southampton and they met in Southampton and so it's kind of like two worlds sort of collided there. My mom was sort of from the from the low Low end of the uh, social things, like like money things, and my dad was sort of more on the high end of money things. So it was kind of an interesting relationship, I think, that they had. And uh, they moved here um, just before I was born, and so um, I always wanted to have citizenship there. I went there a couple of times, and I've always just thought it would be good to have the citizenship, but I didn't really ever have a reason to get it. And uh, when I started thinking about last year about going to Europe. And making that a tar- making that a target or a goal that I that I would you know sort of hit there, I thought you know what I, it's going to help me a lot to have this in terms of just traveling and and getting around over there. It's kind of like the golden ticket th- that mm-hmm. you know, which is I'm you know man, I'm blessed to have that man. I can't, I, I don't know man. This. Uh, it's it's a good thing to have. <laughs> That's all I can say. I not I don't know. I, and you know what? I'm speculating. I'm only speculating. I could get there. It could be a complete disaster. <laughs> so yeah. we'll find out. <laughs> uh,
0: when you look ahead to, I mean, it's still pretty early in 2016 right now. Uh, when you look ahead to this year and and the next year or so to come, mm-hmm. uh, what what are the sort of the the things on your horizon? Like the you know, like getting to Europe. Uh, what else yeah. are you looking to accomplish?
1: Um. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it as, as it goes, man. I always wanted to do a record that's just singing. And I keep having people telling me at the shows you should do a record that's just singing. So for the last few years, I've been thinking about doing something like that. I've also been on um, the last record that I did, the 13th floor record, and on the new record, there's no rapping features. I don't feature anybody on it. I've kind of got this mentality that's a bit of a waste of time when it comes to working on your own project. People can't meet deadlines. People can't meet you in the middle of the road financially. And people definitely can't meet you when it, to, like, on the same level sometimes when it comes to having a cohesive song, especially with artists that are bigger than you. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really help out enough anyway. So blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so I kind of moved on from that. But I think it would be nice to do a record that f- just features rappers, like making songs that just features rappers that I, that I know personally that I want to work with that. I really love and want them and and kind of want to pull them in just so that I keep them in the game because so many people are sick and tired of this now
0: one more piece of advice that you've offered that I want to ask you about the uh, good parting message perhaps uh, you've said it's not yeah. coming to you. go out and get it uh, can you uh, Can you elaborate on that
1: Yeah, I think that uh, I don't know how it happens because we are kind of like way past the time when people like think about what we're, we're really thinking about getting signed and or the workings of the industry are way past to way past the point where you submit your demo tape from an a and you hope and pray that you get an email back from them or, or not even email phone call back from them. And then some miraculous thing happens and then all of a sudden you're famous and rich. Um, that mentality, when that was happening, that mentality was wrong. But that was the mentality because that was how the industry worked, quote-unquote, right? Mm. So, But now, I don't know how people still have this mentality. It's like sitting on the dock of the bay, waiting for some boat to arrive with all your treasure in it. But that's a common mentality now. It's insane to me how much people um, are, give me everything and give it to me now. And at the same time, they're like, immediately, Like don't like don't make it happen now. Make it make it happen like yesterday. Mm -hmm. So this it's crazy. We live in this mentality of extremes, and and then beyond that, the attention span of these people is nil. So it's this crazy crux of like like weird sort of a weird, uh, I, I don't know, worldview or mindset when it comes to like the average person. And we as, as music lovers are, are heightened maybe a little bit more emotionally about these things. We take things to heart a little bit more. And so there's all kinds of crazy ideas about how to, how to make, get yours or whatever it is in music. And the reason why I said what I said is because um, I think that hard work pays off. And you can always learn to be a better musician or you can learn to be a better rapper or DJ or breakdancer. You can always learn that. But you can't just necessarily go out and learn your own sense of self-worth. You can't just automatically learn how to be a good business person or at least have, be, be motivated like a good business person should be. You know, or work hard. Like that, the idea to work hard is something you got to like pound into people. People don't get that. People don't want to work hard. And I'm, t- I'm basically I said that is because like this, everything that has happened here, man, uh, it's because I worked hard, man. I thank God for everything, but it's still because I I put my effort there. I think faith without works is dead. So that's what I would say to
0: people. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Anything else you want to add here?
1: I think I've added ten times as many things as <laughs> I should. But um, uh, yo, thank you for having me, man. Uh, the new record drops under the name Rel McCoy. Um, so everybody who knows me as Relic um should should pay attention to that part of it at least and uh if you can't check out the kickstarter campaign i appreciate everybody's support and uh, as always man hit me up on twitter instagram r-e-l m-c-c-o-y all
0: right thanks have a good afternoon
1: thank you man take care
0: peace peace brother
2: i hope you enjoyed our conversation today with relic aka rel mccoy if you'd like to support his crowdfunding campaign hit the link below in the show description and if you are a creative and you're thinking of, you know, going full time, I would love to know your comments and, and I would like to know what you do. Hit us up on the come up show. Maybe we we'll can connect you. This is your boy Chetto. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on next Wednesday. <laughs>